What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Matt Moore. Uh, does Matt Moore even need an introduction? I don't think so. Uh, real quick, he runs an amazing retail operation. Uh, he is the systems guy in this PDR industry and runs a very successful shop retail operation in Athens, Georgia. What's up, Matt? What's going on, bud? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hopefully, we can provide... Um, some value to a lot of people. So I don't think I've had anyone in your situation on this podcast. I think more well, your situation is very unique, but someone who runs a successful, a successful shop with multiple technicians, employees working for them. So just to start, I love to hear the stories. How did you get into this little tiny niche that we're in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I uh, actually worked and I've told this story a couple of times. I've worked in uh, the automotive sales uh, industry. I was actually a salesman uh, transitioned into internet marketing to putting pictures of cars online, transitioned a little bit into basically uh, kind of a glorified porter position. They called it like a manager in training at this large Honda dealership, but it was, it was one of those jazz where I'd basically take pictures, put them online, but I was also signing all the bills for all of our vendors. Uh, and the dent guy that worked, uh, for us made more and work less than anybody I ever met. And, uh, was a real just a fun personality, good guy, and would roll in though at 1030. Mm -hmm. And by 1130, we're going to lunch. And by 130, he's taking a nap. And then by three o'clock, he turns in a thousand dollar bill. And I'm like, what the heck is this dude doing? You know, and uh, uh, it, it kind of just opened my eyes. And um, I was always uh, actually owned a small business kind of on the side at the time. Uh, very uh, attracted to be an entrepreneur working for myself or, or building something and uh, through conversations with this technician, um, uh, through with Keith, he's, uh, he's still in the business. He's a great tech. Uh, he was actually moving away. He was engaged and was going to be moving. And, and there was an opportunity to basically train under him and then take over his business and his route. So we, we made an arrangement where I was essentially an apprentice for, for a while and, uh, and then took over a wholesale route for uh, around five years. I was pretty much only wholesale. Um, working for him. And then, uh, uh, yeah. And then, so, so then, you know, I think you've talked about, you know, PDR college and some of the other podcasts kind of inspiring you and that, uh, you know, I lost one of my really large accounts overnight, no warning, walked in and they said, we're going in house. Sure. It was devastating. And I, I just, you know, um, had other accounts that I'd been threatened to lose because somebody was $5 cheaper and they had yeah. zero experience. And, and I, I really felt this need to transition to something that was more building for myself and more sustainable. And uh, so retail became the next frontier mm -hmm. uh, again, thanks to a lot of podcasts and just conversations and really just trusting that it was possible um, built a really aggressive website, started aggressively marketing that website, built that for another five or six years. And then, uh, and then, the next frontier for me uh, was opening the shop, hiring and starting to staff and really um, developing systems and processes and trying to grow this thing the next step. And uh, so that's kind of where we are now. So I, I love those stories uh, that everyone has a story like that, but it's such a pivotal moment in, in your life really. And you, and we, we tell those stories looking back and we just pass over stuff real quick. And I yeah. like to highlight those things, but um, you met Keith, you said, and, or, or you knew him cause he was working for you out of your dealership, whatever. Correct. How cool is it? And how, I mean, an interesting scenario in life where he's leaving right at the time that you're ready to start PDR. So, I mean, did you, did you just up and walk away from the, from the dealership and start working for him at that same dealership? Or how, how did that, how did that go? Cause that seems like there's a, that, there's a big decision that was made somewhere in that along that line there. Yeah. So I, I was, um, uh, my wife and I were married very young. And so I was, I was married, uh, and, uh, still happily married, uh, and kids and all that stuff now, but, but at the time we had no kids and she was working. So we were in a position where I felt like I could take a little bit of a risk mm -hmm. because we had little debt, very little, um, you know, risk involved. We, we could survive. We weren't thriving. We could survive off her income. And, mm -hmm. um, 
this was kind of an interesting because the, you know, the way I broke it down, uh, I worked at a couple of restaurants in college and I always kind of thought of myself, that I'd be like a restaurant tour and, you know, opening yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. But the cost is so ridiculously high. It's just it's really expensive. <laughs> and, and your entire life to open up a restaurant. Yeah. You know, even if it's a chain or franchise or whatever, and, and this, um, opportunity with, with the PDR, I just saw it as, the, the cost and the barrier to entry is so low. It's a lot of time and it's, and, and I didn't realize how long it would actually take me to learn. But, but at the time yeah. I looked at it as, you know, I'm essentially, we, we had worked out an arrangement for me to essentially pay him to train me. And it just looked very, very uh, doable uh, for the freedom and, and for the, for the opportunities that I was going to get. And for the long-term value, I, I was going to develop a skill that, that kind of no matter what and, and, and what other steps I took, and I found that to be true now. I mean, no matter what bold, scary steps I take now, when failure is always on the table, I still always have that skill that I can fall back on that, that as just a quote, just a tech kind of thing. So, so it, it was a really a kind of a game changing. And I, and I owe a lot to Keith. He's a, he's a great tech. He's a great dude. Keith Manker. He's a, a lot of guys know him. He's a, he's a hail tech kind of stays off social media, but he's a good dude. So. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that that are out there that don't exist on the internet, but are solid guys, solid techs yeah. for sure. Okay, really cool story. So you're so you do that, you do the wholesale route for five years, you lose an account, you're like, okay, I gotta I gotta start, you know, looking somewhere else. You you build up the retail for three, four, five years, and now you're at the spot that a lot of guys are at, where it's like, okay, I'm really I'm really busy. I'm doing a mixture of wholesale and retail. I just talked to someone yesterday about this and it's like, I want to start a shop, right? Mm. That's, that's the final frontier for a, in, in the heads of a lot of dent guys. Some people actually yeah. do, some people don't, but so I don't know, you're billing, fair to say you're billing somewhere 15, 15, 20 grand plus a month doing wholesale retail route, right? Correct. Yeah. And then starting a shop. So what goes through your mind? How do you, how do you actually make that transition like tell us tell us you know for the guys that are listening that are in that spot because i know there's probably hundreds of them that are ready to make that leap what what advice do you have for them so uh i'm going to give advice that uh someone gave me what one of my first jobs was working at a restaurant and it was a very it was a franchisee and he was Mm -hmm. a young guy and uh had quit a pharmaceutical sales job and i and i asked him i'm working for him i said what does it take to start this. And I was thinking money and, you know, financially, do you, oh, do you need a hundred grand for you? What do you need? And he sat there for a minute and he looked at me and he said, what do you need? You need the balls to do it. And I was like, okay. And that was basically, so, so a lot of, of what do you need uh, to make those steps? You have to decide what you, what kind of your version of happiness in your career looks like. And if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for the ability to come and go as you please, the ability to, to work, half day on Friday and go to the driving range or whatever it is, mm-hmm. opening a shop and growing a business is not what you not what the, you need to be doing. It's it's not the route. But if you're looking for, I want to grow something that outlasts me, I want to grow something that when I go to retire, there's potential options on the table, then, then you know, building either a shop or building a team or, or building something that's beyond just you and building really a, a something that's beyond just a job, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, needs to be going through your head. Um, and so for me, uh, I was honestly, I'd kind of hit a wall where I was a little bored. I have always struggled mm-hmm. with, um, I've always struggled with the artistic side uh, not that not as a technician doing the work, but I've always struggled with being inspired by the art of PDR. That's just not who I am. I don't, I'm not that left brain thinker. I don't really, I don't, I don't, um, consider myself an artist. I, you know, I have a skill that I can do and I can make money and generate income and those kind of things. But, um, it, I'm not a car guy. It just, there's a, there was a lot of things that just, I felt like I was always going to kind of fall short of being really truly satisfied. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, I really felt like if I didn't change something, I was going to burn out of my career, just, just get honestly just tired and bored and lose my mind and, and was going to start looking for exit strategies sooner rather than later. Um, I read a lot of books. I know you, you like to read a lot mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, business books. And one that really changed my life was the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. hundred uh, percent. And it, it totally rocked my world. Yeah. And, 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 and I've talked about this at, at some shows and some podcasts, yeah. stuff, but it, but it's basically, um, it's about lies that we tell ourselves. Right. And, and I realized that I was lying to myself when I was telling myself I was a business owner and I was lying to myself when I was telling myself that, um, that, 
uh, I was this so, so essential at all these different parts of the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I had to kind of come to realization that if I really wanted to own a business, I had to really change the way I looked at, uh, the different jobs that I had to do and what my real goals were. Um, so yeah, so Emeth really changed a lot of that. Uh, I, I realized that it, I, I thought the reason that I was kind of unsatisfied was because I wanted so badly to be an entrepreneur and a business owner, but I didn't really have that at the time. I had all the, and, it, and it's a little confusing because if you're a small business owner, if you're a PDR guy, you have to do taxes and you have to do, even if it's just you, you sometimes have to understand a little bit of payroll. You have to, you know, do marketing and management. So you have all these little jobs that feel like you're a business owner. But at the end of the day, you've just created a really high paying free freedom, you know, job that allows you some freedom, yeah. but that's, that's, you know, quote unquote, that's it. And, and, and that's a fantastic thing. And that's really, really great for a lot of people. Um, so back to your question, if, if, yeah. if you are looking um, to kind of make those steps, you got to ask yourself why you want to make those steps. Is it because you're, um, you see it and it looks sexy and you just want your name on the building? Like, is that what you really want? And if so, you got to really make sure that's really what you want because there's a there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you have to be prepared if you're opening a shop and hiring a team. You have to be prepared for a complete and utter mindset change. Um, and 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 if you don't have that mindset change, you will not succeed. It it won't happen um, unless you're just really lucky and it hails on your head the first week you're there, but you know, <laughs> you can get lucky in this business, but, but if you want it to succeed in a non-hail market or, or even in a hail market where there's a lot of competition, you have to have a mindset change. Um, so I didn't realize that you and I, we, we've talked a little bit. We met at Mobile Tech Expo in January, which was actually this year, believe it or not, yeah, it was like cool. five years ago. But, um, Holy smokes. Yeah. Top. I thought about that yesterday before this call. And, um, and so we met there and we talked on the phone. I didn't realize how, how very similar you and I are with, with the e-myth, with the, um, I'm not a car person necessarily. I do, I do like, I enjoy cars and I enjoy fast cars, but I'm not like, I won't sit and have a conversation with somebody for two hours about how the car works, how it's made every part of the engine. Like that's not, that's not me either. And, and same thing with not being left brain, like the creativity portion of it is never like captured my interest. Like it seems to do for a lot of guys. So, so yeah. very similar to you. Great job. I mean, I got into it because a big part, because my dad owned the company and this was like, yeah. the, I saw this in college, like the best easiest path that I could get to make six figures. Basically it was like the way for me to go. Right. And like, what else yeah. can I do that provides this for my life? Right. So super similar like that. And that's actually why I'm ended up here at the PDR coach and the podcast and coaching clients on how to grow their business and all that stuff, because I wanted something different, something more, but how could I, how could I give back to this industry that has given me in my life so much out of it. Right. And so that's kind of where, um, I landed, I landed here too. Um, and that's, that's the biggest question that I, that I talked to about a lot of guys is that, the guys that sign up for coaching with me or, or that are going to do something with you, um, not with you, but like start a shop like you is like, you know, the guys that want to get off at two o'clock on Friday and go home or golfing or whatever, totally fine. Like mad respect for that. Sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish I could be that dude that just like gets off, makes less money, leaves at noon, whatever. And is like just super happy with all that. But that's not what's inside me. I don't think that's what's inside you. Like I want to build that legacy. I want to build that lasting thing for my family, for the industry, to help other people, all that stuff. Um, so that's the question. If you want, if you want more, but you haven't done it yet, those are the people that that will get the most help from this from this podcast. You want that shop, but you're just like you're scared. You're there's doubt. There's fear. There's you're not sure if you can make it happen. All that stuff. You said you needed to change the mindset before or if you're going to open a shop mm. what are the particular things that you that you would need besides the balls or the or the gusto to do it what are the things that you need to know going going into it the fact that you know you're going to be starting to run a business now instead of work inside of a business as a technician i think is one of them but what do you got well, so you've got to think about what the business needs, not what you need, right? Or what you want, right? And and so for, and it, there's a thousand examples, but the business needs uh, cash flow, 
right? So mm-hmm. any business you want to grow, you have, you want to do marketing, you want to hire needs cash flow. A lot of guys, basically they bill out whatever they bill out to pay themselves 85% of that as a salary, basically, you know, or as a, you know, whatever. And then, and then they keep a little bit aside for uncle Sam and that's it. Right. And that's, yeah. that's not, that doesn't work for a business. You you can't function like that. So, I mean, I, I have myself on a salary and I am currently, I think I'm the third or fourth highest paid employee at my six person business. Seven, whatever, like I'm not, I'm not the top paid employee in my own business. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I own hundred percent shares of a thing that's worth more than me. And so, so I look at it as almost like a stock, you know, investment. Right. So it, it's a job that I have, but I'm paying experts to do expert work and experts mm-hmm. are expensive. And, and, and if I want them to do good work, I need to be able to, to uh, support that and, and pay them to do uh, this, this work. And um, so, so, you know, you've got to think about, uh, all right, we all want credit. We want to pat ourselves on the back and tell us how great we are. Well, as a business owner, I know somebody posted the other day, um, I think it was Ian posted on Facebook the other day, something about the business owner. You take all the, you get none of the credit. You take all the blame when you're a business owner and you've got a bunch of employees that is tenfold. I mean, you are the, you, you have to take everything, right? If, if someone in your shop screws up, you're the one that has to fall on the sword. And when someone does well, you have to give credit or you're going to lose that person, right? If they're not getting, you know, fulfillment out of this job. Um, and, and it's, you, you genuinely have to be that, um, that humble leader. And, and I'm not saying that to brag on myself. I'm saying that, that, that if that's not in you, if you need to kind of constantly be affirmed, this is not for you. I mean, you, it, it is, um, you have to, you spend a lot of your time being basically personality management. If you bring on a team and I'm, I'm sure you guys know this, just having the team, uh, even without the shop, just having a team, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a therapist half my days nowadays, just working through personalities and, and all right, this guy's saying this and this, yeah, I mean, you are, I'm, 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 and, and that's not a job that I thought I was signing up for, to be honest. And, and I had to learn that that is a role, um, that it takes, uh, you know, again, you have to think of it as, as not a job, but as you, you, so you almost have to think of it as this. So, so a lot of guys, when they're solo, their job and their business ownership is just really melded together. Right. So I have to kind of separate it. And, and if you start growing into a shop and into a trying to grow, you have to think of it two different things. First off, you own a business and then you are an employee of that business, right? So you have a specific job that you do as an employee and there's a value to that, but you are the owner of a business separate. And those are almost like two different hats you have to put on. Um, and, and that was, for me, that was really essential because because what then that allows you to start doing is thinking about process orienting, thinking about systems, thinking about, all right, if this business wants to survive and succeed and thrive, I need to break down what it needs into processes, into systems, and then hire the right people to bring to bring on to do that. And, and that looks like... Um, that's that's going to most of the time be not you. You're not as good as you think you are at most of the things you do in the business, right? And that, that, that was one of the lies I told myself with the email. I talk about this a lot, that, that we lie to ourselves and we think that we're so good at all the things we do, but it's not. We're not. We just do it because we have to. It's a survival, right? But if you start, you know, you know, if you start, if you do your own taxes one year and then hire an accountant the next year and realize how much more valuable it is to have an expert doing it. Well, that goes down to R&I during a hailstorm. You usually hire an R&I guy, right? Uh, for us, with the shop, we have R&I techs, we have PDR techs, we have estimator and manager. Uh, we, you know, my job is kind of a marketing, marketing, you know, manager, and then also, you know, an owner. Yeah. Um, and I sometimes have to plug and play and be a tech and whatever that looks like. But, but for the most part, um, I'm doing kind of big picture stuff and then letting the shop, I mean, my shop truly kind of functions day to day without me being a part of it, which, which, you know, in the last six months, it's really grown into that even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows me to then start thinking about next steps and, you know, uh, uh, you know, expanding the business and growth and what that looks like. Right. So a few things I will touch on there. Um, I think servant leadership, I've heard that if you've read business books, that's a big part of it. Um, like you yeah. said, the humble leader, I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, you, I, I think that there's a big disconnect. Um, people joke about it a lot, but it's, it's true in every industry and in every business. Um, they say, you know, PDR guys and their egos are out of control or whatever, which it, it is probably true, but pick a, you know, find me a business that's like a male dominated business. That's like that, that doesn't have egos that are, 
that are, yeah. you know, flared up, I guess. So, kind of a frater- so fraternity almost mindset. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, being a servant leadership may sound difficult, but if you're not willing to, to do that, then it will be, I think, difficult to create a business that sustains for long-term. Um, so servant leadership, and you said, you mentioned there kind of breezed over it real quick, but fourth paid in your business. So again, I mean, to be the owner, right? Just to be able to check your ego in that situation, to be the owner of the business, to run the shop and then, and be not the highest paid, I think is a difficult thing for people to swallow. Obviously there's more value in the fact that you own it. There's money there. There's, there's write-offs that you can, you know, you can integrate gas into your business and the business buys the car yeah. and things like that. So it's a li- little different, but yeah, but I do, sure. I, I am curious because we talked at mobile tech expo when I first met you, we talked about your shop cause I was curious and you pay your guys a lot different than what I see most PDR companies paying their guys. Typically it is, you know, basically a straight percentage, hundred percent commission, straight percentage, the highest you can get the employee somewhere. You know, I've heard as low as 40%. I've heard as up to 50, maybe even a little bit past 50%, but you pay your guys a little differently. Can you uh, see if you can explain that and help? Some yeah. So, so uh, I looked around and didn't see a PDR company doing kind of what I was trying to Correct. do. <laughs> and this is not an ego thing. It's just, I'm not in a hill market and I'm trying to build something that doesn't really exist in a non hill market. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. not, you know, we do get some hail, but um so, so I looked around at body shops basically, and I looked at the most successful body shops and, and, and what they did and some that, um, were less successful in what they did. What's interesting is in the body shop world, there's a really big, uh, the very similar egos in, in to PDR, right. That, and, and, uh, a lot of painters, body men, they kind of, there was always jarring, uh, or sparring going back and forth. They're not you know fans of each other or whatever. Um, and what I found was, the shops, no matter how successful the shop was, they always had a lot of turnover uh, with their technicians. And a lot of times what it would do is you'd have an A tech who he was the only guy who could fix the big quarter panel smash, right? And he's on commission. And so he gets stuck fixing this quarter panel smash for two and a half days. Mm -hmm. And the B or C tech are fixing five or six gravy jobs during that time and making basically the same money, even if they're at a different percentage. But the A tech hates the B and C tech because of it. They just there's no teamwork and there's no camaraderie. So and up, and right the A and B tech don't or the B and C tech don't necessarily want to become the A tech either. They don't want to push to get that good because no like to. what's the point? Yeah, exactly. So no, no, you're, exactly. So so the shops that I found that had the highest success rates of team mentality of when one guy's struggling, someone else comes over and helps. Um, was that that it wasn't just a straight commission job. It was either some version of a profit sharing or a um, a salary job plus some commission built in or whatever. So we've tried a couple of different ways within the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're at now is is we essentially have everyone at the shop has a salary, and it's it's a very not unsimilar to any other job out there where it, your value. Uh, as a, as a technician goes up, the more you can do, the more, uh, dependable you are. Uh, every year we have, uh, uh, you know, we sit down and we talk about what you've done in the last year, last six months, next six months, next year, what you're looking to do, what your goals are with the goal being that every year I'm giving every one of my employees the opportunity to make themselves more valuable. And my job as an owner is to essentially equip them with the tools, the training and the opportunities to make themselves more valuable to me. So I can pay them more, but in turn, they're making more for the company. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so my guys are paid uh, a heavy portion of their pay comes from a salary. uh, And then they, they are also paid um, a commission as well for what they flag. Um, And then we also sometimes with, with the shop, when we have big months, we do some profit sharing stuff with that. But, um, you know, and, and, and even down to, um, you know, my estimator, he's, he's essentially got, you know, there's similar things. His goal is to hit certain metrics for the shop and hit certain numbers. And, and by hitting those numbers, you know, it helps everyone else as well. Right. Everybody's going to make more yeah. if he's, if he's mm-hmm. doing his job better, if he's closing more, if he's doing, so it incentivizes him to do better callbacks and it makes it where they're really working as a team together. So if he estimates something, and the technician says, Hey, you know, Hey, you kind of underestimated this. They have those conversations together because they, they're both affected by it. Right. Um, one of the challenges that I've seen in this business is that, mo- and, and, and some of the large companies run into this. Um, 
employee retention is really, really hard really as you hard. grow a business, right? So, so grow, how do you go from a three-year tech to a five-year? How do you go from a five-year tech to an eight-year, eight-year to 15? If you have them on a straight commission, then essentially as soon as they get their peak speed or value or get in their lane, whether it's wholesale or retail, why do they need you anymore as a company at that point, right? Like damn, they're the damn you know, good question. So just, pause, so just pause right there for all the business <clears throat> out there. Put yourself in the shoes of your employees. We've dealt with this in our, in yeah. our, in our business. My dad has been in business since 91. That's been yeah. a big problem for him. Why do they need you anymore? <laughs> Huge yeah. question. So, well, and, but and, I think you found answers for that. So go ahead and answer that. Well, and, 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 and part of it is also going to, to going back to the e-myth. Yeah. One of the lies I was telling myself was that I was so good at all these things. And, and, and you hear this all the time. Almost every guy you talk to will say, man, if I could just find another one of me out there, I'd be set. <laughs> right. And I, and, and they think you hear it all the time and the yeah. guys think they want to go out and they, when they hire, they want to try to replicate themselves. No. Well, it's all a lie. You're, you're, you're telling yourself you're too good at everything you do. Mm-hmm. First off, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if you replicate yourself, once you train them, why do they need you? Like why, if you make a carbon copy of yourself, why are you essential anymore? Right. Would you work, you know, so for, for me, what I have found is, it's both better for employee retention. It's better for employee satisfaction. And it's also better for having experts do expert work. I don't want a bunch of guys who can do a lot of things, 80%. I want guys who can do certain things extremely well. And by doing those things extremely well, they're more valuable and they have more security and they have more long-term growth and opportunities as part of a team. Um, And so you've, you've got, uh, you know, a technician at my company comes in, walks in the door, his jobs are assigned. He puts his headphones on and he basically pushes metal all day long. That's what he does. Right. And he, my techs, I'm not joking. It took me probably five, six years to be what I would consider an A tech, right? My techs, when they get to the two to three year mark are better than I was at five, six years. Mm -hmm. I have techs that are, that are three years right now. I have a tech that's three years right now. That's as good or better than I am right now across the board. Right. And I'm a 15, 15 year. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's because their metal time, they're not ordering business cards. They're not marketing. They're not calling accountants or building websites or dealing with what insurance to go with this year, paying premiums. They walk in the door, they put their headphones on, they push metal. And they're very happy doing that. And my guys have also, there's a lot of freedom to, if that's something that you want to grow away from, if they want to start growing into doing other things, we can have those conversations, but you're not going to be a tech who then estimates also, you're going to be a, a technician or you're going to be an estimator. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be a manager. Like those are, you know, and, and, and that's how real businesses are built. Like, yeah. you know, the email talks about this with, again, I keep going back to it, but it was really influential for me. If you're a re- restaurant owner, you don't want to be the guy taking the order, cleaning the bathrooms, ordering the food, making the food, delivering to the table. You have to hire people to be experts in certain lanes and then you stay in your lane. Right. And, and that's that I have found the, the more I'm willing to do that productivity just goes to the roof because people are doing it better than I ever could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're happier and they're more engaged and then they work together as a team and, and then they see things, you know, differently. And, 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 and you, you're also empowering them and saying, look, I value you for this thing and I want to make you more valuable. So, so go out, kill it, the sky's the limit on what your value is, right? They're, you know, and so, so yeah, so that's where we're at. I love that. Um, so everybody, if you haven't read, I should probably go back and read the E-Myth. It's probably one of the first books I I read when I went down my journey of endless reading, basically. Yeah. Now, now my, now my, you know, the pile or my list of reading is some, something I'll basically never finish because I add more <laughs> than I can read. Get 60% in and open it, the next one. You're right. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah. I got one and you have that. But read the e-myth. Um, have you read, Matt, Ego is the Enemy with Ryan Holiday? No, I have not. Ego is the Enemy. I'm Ego is the Enemy from Ryan Holiday. Basically takes stoicism, which is the, you know, the, the art form of thought, I guess I should say, from thousands of years ago. Or, or, yeah, Epictetus and all of the philosophers of time of the, you know, 200 to 700 years, right? Um, Ego is the Enemy. Basically stories about about how ego has hurt people in their life and business and a huge book for me because I have an ego, right? Well, I mean, join the club, yeah. <laughs> right? And when you can recognize it and define it for what it is and see it, that's when you can start to overcome things. So recognize mm. that that has hurt you in the past. The fact that, that if, if you had that employee say, ask you the question, 
why do I need you? And your answer was, because I'm the best in the fucking business. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. So answering the question and that's how people leave. That's how you end up back by yourself. That's how you end up not creating this business and this retail shop and this everything that you say you want. Anyway, so a little bit of tactical advice from you and then and then some future focused stuff. So when, because I know I've had this conversation with, I would say a dozen people over the last several months, people want to do this. They want to start the shop. Um, I think there's a lot of ideas for you from you to implement. First question I have for you is who do you hire first? So if you, if you're, if you're by yourself and you get that shop, how do you make that transition? And then who do you hire? Cause then you have five people and it's like, okay, do you estimate it first? Do you get the technician that can work first? Do you, when do you move to an owner role? If you could talk about that a little bit and then answer the question kind of specifically is that when the employees, cause you ask yourself this a lot, I can tell is that you put yourself in your employee shoes and say, why do I need you, Matt? Like what, what do I need from you so that I can stay you I think you have good answers is that the future growth, right? Not right. only can they come in and do their job, but like there is potential for the future because yeah. what a lot of guys they fall into is, yeah, it's like, okay, you're on 50% commission. And then six years into that, they're like, okay, like this is the most I've ever done. Like I'm maxed out. I am like turning yeah. on jobs. I'm, I'm like, this is how much money I can ever make. And they're like, that's great. I'm making a bunch of money. Two yeah. more years go by and they're like, well, this is the, this is, I got, what 26 years left of this and yeah. best I'm ever going to get <laughs> now. Yep. Why do wait? Why, why do, why do I need, why do I need Matt again? So yeah. if you can kind of do both answer both those questions. So the first one you'll have to, to, to rephrase, I'll answer the second one. I'll go back and, and do the first okay. one. So, okay. so the, the second one. Um, so for us, my, the, the, I have basically um, a mentality that you have, uh, you have to believe in where we're going. You have to believe in what we're doing and you have to be able, the ability to be a part of that team. And so when we're hiring and we're staffing, we have those conversations pretty much constantly. Like, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of guys that would be fantastic technicians but could never be a part of a team or, or think in terms of a team. Um, and, and sometimes being a part of a team is doing your job and not knowing exactly what the end result's going to be or where that's going to go. I try to communicate very clearly where we're going and what our goals are. Our goals and our, our as a company is to grow uh, fairly aggressively and we're going to have, you know, multiple opportunities and multiple shops. Um, part of our growth and part of our employee retention long-term is to, as guys come on and as they are technicians and as they make themselves essential and kind of hit those like, all right, we've maxed out kind of what we right. can, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then, then as we have, additional shops as we have additional opportunities then then bringing them on as essentially owner operator partners of those shops with a with a uh the opportunity at the end of their career if they want to walk away uh to to you know either continue getting paid as an owner of that shop or to walk away and have a buyout from that um not unsimilar to there's there's uh, uh restaurants that do this Zaxby's is one one that 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 you know does this um there's actually a dealership group that's near me that's very similar to this. There's about six dealerships in our town and they're all owned by one company. And this company owns about 150 dealerships nationwide. Uh, but the six locally have a minority uh, owner basically who owns somewhere between 5% and 49% of that business. And they're the ones that are kissing babies and sponsoring T-ball leagues and, mm-hmm. you know, on the radio commercials. Uh, and what that, and what they do is typically they, they grow people into a general sales manager and then they plant them as an owner in a new location that's a similar model to what we're doing. And what that does is a lot of guys have this, uh, this issue that they feel like at the end of their career, well, what do they have to show for it? Other than mm-hmm. the money in the account and the boats that they bought and the toys, like, like how do I exit out of this? Cause nobody's going to come along and write me a check for my route. Right. Very not few, a, not a big one, <laughs> not a big one. And it's only going to be basically a PDR guy. Right. But if I can essentially develop a model that, that allows people to come on board and be partners in these businesses, partners in these different shops. And I, as, and again, for us, we have developed and, and created these processes in order to scale. I, I keep going back to Emith, but, but they say, you know, build your thousand store first. And, and then if you want to build a thousand store, build the, build the, the first store with the thousandth one in mind. And then, and then, you know, grow basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, I'm butchering the quote, but um, so for us, that is, that is essentially a part of that as well is that as guys get more and more developed in their skills and in their value, if that is something they want to be is a, 
as an owner or a partner, we want to have that career track in front of them and have that as a, as an opportunity for them. Um, I know there's other companies that do this similar to this mm-hmm. and are dent smart is one that does yep. something with yep. some territories and stuff. And they do a fantastic job with it. Um, but one of the reasons that, that in my opinion, um, some of the other large companies dent was, you know, struggled to, uh, what, you know, as they grew, their talent got to a certain level and left was because there was, they, like you just said, even within a company structure, there was only so high they could go yeah. and they were never going any higher and they were never getting any more. And, and you know, you could either, you maybe you could go to corporate side if you wanted to, but that's a very small percentage and people, a lot of people don't want to do that. Um, and so that's kind of answers the second question. The first question, yeah. um, there's an exercise you could do. And, and the question was who to hire first yeah. uh, if you were open a shop. And that answer is going to be different for everyone. So one of the exercises I would encourage that I do, and you kind of constantly can do this, take a piece of paper out and write down on that piece of paper, literally everything you did yesterday for work, right? Every single thing you did, think it through, write down everything you did, try to write down everything you did last week if you can, but, it, but even just take it down to yesterday, write down everything you did yesterday. Then take a take pencil, circle the things you love doing of all those things, put a square around the things you hated doing of all those things. And then try to fi- hire people to, to do those squares. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be complicated. So if one person may very much enjoy selling to customers, they love the customer interaction, really, really love it. I hate taking cars apart. I know you and I have talked beforehand and you <laughs> talked about how much you hated doing R&I and it's just, it's hard for a value. It's really, really a fairly simple hire. Yeah. To go to a technical college, hire somebody who's a who's a, a good student, who's hungry, who wants to get in the business, and say, "Look, this is an opportunity for you to come on board mm-hmm. and and learn the skill of PDR potentially, but first and foremost, let's get you in and teach you how to take cars apart, teach them how to be your R and I tech, and now all of a sudden, if there's if there's you know fifty things you did that day, this guy might be able to do fifteen or twenty of those, right?" Um, for me, day one, I hired a estimator mm-hmm. and I hired a, uh, R&I technician day one. First day I opened the shop, I had two hires. Okay. Um, and, and it wasn't that I hated doing estimating. It was that I honestly hated doing the call back to confirm the appointment and the no call, no show. And I hated all the other kind of yeah. BS that you had to do. Um, and I also felt like as a technician, my most valuable time was either marketing because I really like that and that lane was really valuable and I feel like I'm pretty good at it or pushing debts like putting my hands on the tools so I essentially wanted to hire people to put me in a position to where I was doing those two things and those two things only I was either running the business on the marketing side and trying to grow or I was pushing metal and those are basically it so I hired and trained someone to do R&I this person also did you know parts installs did uh, what's ending and buffing did scratches we tr- trained them to do headlight restoration yeah, so that we could get those customers trained, all yeah. the stuff you yeah. kind of whatever um and and what i found is from a company standpoint it's a really good starting point for a technician and, and a lot of guys have found this when they go and chase hail that 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 learning to be an art at tech's a good step mm-hmm. it's really good for me not just because it teaches them kind of how to take cars apart but it teaches them it helps me to see if they're patient enough to learn to do pdr Right. If, if they are, mm-hmm. if, if taking a down a Volkswagen headliner and they, or, and they rip it <laughs> or, and they just get so frustrated or they're sloppy or they just don't, yeah. they don't care about details. Maybe they don't have a, a strong future in PDR. Maybe, you know, maybe they do, you know, but, but there's, there's things you can learn from watching someone do R and I for six months or a year and then determine if they're a good fit as a candidate to, to teach, to do, PDR. So, so as a company, I, I don't hire anyone in day one to teach to do PDR. I won't do it. I only hire them to do an R&I and then take it as a stepping stone or a buff, you know, d- 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 someone does buffing or kind of a shop assistant, yeah, but yeah. we're not, we're never going to hire someone just walk in the door and learn PDR. That won't happen. I'll hire someone who already knows PDR a hundred percent. If an A tech comes on or a B tech wants to take the level up their game or get off the street and do more retail and get off the wholesale and whatever, all day long we'll have those conversations. And we have guys that are, that are wanting to come on board as we're growing already. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, from a shop, I won't hire someone just come in day one and start learning PDR. It's That's, not worth it to me. Yeah, so, sure. so um, I think that answers so, the, I think that answers the question a lot. I think the exercise is fantastic. If you're opening up a shop and I'm going to start using that now, um, you know, write down what everything you did and decide what you like to do and then do yeah. more of that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so simple, right? Um, but not something that everyone thinks about doing. 
and, and, and you should think through literally everything you did that day. And, and, and that goes down to, I had coffee with my wife or I, mm-hmm. I went to my kid's t-ball game or yeah. whatever it is. And if those are the things you want to be doing, then you need to do what you can to do that. Maybe, maybe hiring someone just to answer the phones from maybe not opening a shop is right for you, but maybe sure, hiring sure. a company mm-hmm. to answer the phone, screen the calls and uh, establish the first contact with the customer and kind of vet them. You know, cause, cause if you think about it, just, just from that one example, most guys that are mobile, at least when I was mobile, you get a call, yeah. Hey, thanks for calling easy. This is Matt. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you send me a picture? I'll call you back with an estimate. Right. <laughs> so, so that's a five minute phone call yeah. just to get a picture in your hand yeah. to then, uh, yep, that's a great candidate or, Oh, sorry, that didn't pass. Right. Yeah. So you've got two phone calls, whatever. If you could hire a company just to take the phone call or hire a person just to take the phone call, absolutely send us a picture. We'll have one of our technicians reach back out to you. You've just subcontracted out. You've just started process orienting your business. Yeah. Even if you don't go into the next step of having a shop or even owning, like you could just subcontract that and as, as you know, using either a third party or, or, or hiring someone just to do it from home. And, and now all of a sudden you're just a little bit more efficient. Right. Well, I mean, right? potentially a lot because I mean, a busy yeah. guys, that five minute conversation can happen easily 10 times a day. And also, how many times are you in the middle of a big smash fender yeah. and you get a phone call and you're like, so, yeah, thanks for calling easy. You know, you're yeah. almost angry answering because yeah. you're yeah. interrupted or, or you send it a voicemail anyway. Mm-hmm. If you, it, it, again, it doesn't have to be to grow and to start process oriented and thinking about systems. You don't mm-hmm. have to be like, okay, it's, it's where I'm at now and, and I want to be, you know, listed on the NASDAQ next week. Like that's not <laughs> like the step doesn't have to be that, that drastic. It sure. could genuinely be. How do I save an hour? A day. How do I, yeah. How do I save an hour a day? How do I say, I mean, I, I, I was talking about this book with you before too, the lean mm-hmm. mentality. The lean mentality is basically how do you try to save 15 seconds a day? Do something to make tomorrow 15 seconds more efficient every single day. And those right. 15 seconds add up after minute after minute after minute after minute. And those are usually things that are, if you can systematize your life and your business, you know, it, I, I'm just telling you, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing how, compound interest works and that it works with your time and that works with your money and that works with, with everything. And, and that's really what we're talking about. And so let's, let's go down that road a little bit and we we planned on it, but I didn't know it was going to be the end towards the end, but um, I called you the systems guy in this this industry. That's the way I perceive you. And I assume (laughs) if I perceive you that way, then others do as well. Um, Because you're the guy that going on there talking about how to, how mobile tech RX works this way or how to implement this system or how to do that. So, which is great. I love that. I think Mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. I try to take as much from that as I can and do it in my business, but what's a system? Like, what is it? What do you mean when you say that? Yeah. And then how do you decide what to implement, how to implement it, and when that particular system doesn't work, when do you know it doesn't work so you can not do it and try a different, you know, calendar schedule or someone to hire the phone or whatever. So talk about the systems a little bit. Um, because yeah, so for, for being the system guy, I don't even know how I would define systems exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, I need, to, I need to have like Webster's Dictionary pulled up. But no, so, so for <laughs> me, it's, it's the idea that um, whenever we encounter day-to-day operations of a business, be it problems, be it successes, whatever it is, rather than just being a reaction to what happens right then, right? Uh, you know, a customer says this, what do I say? Uh, I'm going to go with my gut or whatever. <laughs> rather than doing it like that, developing kind of your core, almost your processes, your systems of this is how we handle this situation, right? And that can be very detailed when a customer asks for a deductible. What is our response to that, right? Or to, to be like, what's our response to that? that? That's you developing a system right then, right then, right? You, you kind of defining it and then sticking to it, right? Um, it can be, how do we input customers' schedules into a calendar, right? Uh, uh, a lot of mobile guys, they go from, you know, you've got notes all over your car and you've got to call this customer or whatever it is developing. All right. When a customer calls, I'm going to stop. I'm going to have this folder that I pull out and answer these things and write it in this spot, developing ways, because by doing that, by taking just a little bit of extra time to basically get yourself organized, it, a small investment of your time now, it compounds. makes up, it compounds. It just does. And, and think of it in terms of money. I mean, if you develop and you create, if you, if you're, if you're just kind of throwing money in bank accounts, when you get time, you might save some, but if you kind of process orient it and make it where every week, 
money's coming out and going into it. Think of your savings, think of your, your retirements and whatever. That's essentially what that is. And you're doing that with systems um, pretty much daily. And so that goes down to how we call back customers. Sometimes for me, I value it so highly and I know that it doesn't always come naturally to every single person. Uh, even myself, I'm not as organized in, in ways as I want to be, but I value it so highly. I pay for extra software subscriptions. I pay for mobile Tucker X to make it where I don't have to memorize estimates off the top of my head. That's a, that's me kind of, you know, writing estimates and, and like one of our processes that we have as part of our jobs now with a shop, because we have multiple people looking at it. Every single car that comes in for an estimate, we we have as a rule, you need to take a picture of the car in mobile tech and save it with the estimate, right? Of the damage, take a picture of the damage so that if you ever go back and look at it, it's just one thing that allows you to, Oh my gosh, that black accord, which one was that one again? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and you can pull up the picture. Oh yeah, that one. Okay. Yeah. It's a four hour job or whatever. Um, for me, so we use things like CallRail uh, uh, for, for incoming calls. We use HubSpot as a CRM, which is a customer relationship management software. Yeah. This is a little bit more robust if you're, if you're you know, a one man or even if you're mobile, it may be more robust. But what it does is it makes it where and every single uh, interaction with a customer, you want to make it where no matter who answers the phone, it's a very similar experience, mm -hmm. no matter who greets them when they walk in the door and no matter who the technician is that does the repair, it's a very similar experience across the board, right? Um, that's essentially what systems are, is developing ways uh, in which you're defining who your company is and, 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 and really as an owner, who you are, right? So, so, um, that, so go ahead, sorry. That's okay. And, and I would say like, like if you, if you don't have these systems, if you have some of the problems that, that Matt was saying, where you're, you're disorganized, you're writing stuff down, you forget to call people back, you do all those things. I would say the first place to start, I would think is when you tomorrow, when you go out there and, and you have a problem, like you have, um, um, a customer calls you and you write it down this one spot. So look at that. And instead of solving that particular situation for that customer, figure out how you can solve it for forever. That's yes. what I would say a system is. So instead, so let's say, okay, now instead of me just writing down on whatever piece of paper I need, the first system I'm going to implement is I'm going to get, you know, um, a, a planner, I guess, an actual paper planner or, or a way to write it down in a calendar on your phone or, or whatever, or mobile tech RX, like writing stuff in there. So, so I would say instead of solving it once, find a way to solve it forever and maybe not forever, but find a way to solve it long term. And that I was what I would call a system. You're, yeah, you're, you're essentially creating a set of rules for you. And, and then if you have employees for your employees to basically live by, because, because one of the challenges and one of the scary parts of growing is thinking that, well, if I'm not there, you know, people are going to know what to do. How are they going to know what to do? How are they going to represent me? Well, they won't that they're going to not know how to represent you. So you they're have gonna to do then, it. They're going to do it their way because they're going to do it their way or they're going to do it in that. So, so, um, you know, most businesses have SOPs, standard operating procedures. These, that's essentially a book of systems. Usually that's, you know, this is how we cook our chicken sandwiches to where every Chick-fil-A across the exactly. nation tastes the exact same. They've got systems that they're developing and you can do that on a small business. You can do that on a very small, you can do that on just individual, yes. uh, basically saying whenever a customer calls almost, you know, one version of a system may be, all right, I'm not very good on the phone. Okay. Well, I'm going to work on my phone skills. I'm going to listen to some podcasts. I'm going to listen to some coaching on this, or I'm going to talk to some people and I'm going to develop a script literally a script to where when someone calls, I answer the exact same way. I ask the exact same questions and I try to lead to the exact same result. And this is where I ask for the sell or whatever it is. That's you developing a system. That's you developing processes. Um, and that's, uh, that's really what you'll find is that by doing it over and over and over and over again, then you stop thinking about it yeah. and it becomes just kind of a part of your DNA. And then you go and you can develop new ones. You're going to have your, and it's going to never change. I mean, we, we have, you know, you have uh, screw ups at the shop all the time and those screw ups lead to, all right, let's, you know, implement a new system. Implement a new system. Well, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Uh, how do we adapt? How do we change? Uh, yes. And how do we, how do we make sure this never happens again? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, that is, uh, you know, that's kind of the constant battle. And I love that. I love that. My, one of my favorite parts about owning a business is kind of constantly feeling like I'm, um, like honing and defining, you know, 
what this looks like as a business. And sometimes it's cutting away big chunks. Sometimes it's just shaving a little bit, but it's, it's defining more and more defining what we're doing. There's a lot of guys I talked to and the guy I talked to yesterday, um, hard to release control. They're like, I I don't know how I'm supposed to give somebody else control because I do it. I've done it for so long. I know how to do it. Blah, blah, blah. The, The way that you release control is creating a system, turning what you have in your head into a process so that you can actually show your next employee like, Hey, at easy dent at dent pro, here's how we handle this situation. Mm. right at, at my business here's how we handle the situation once you give them enough processes and systems it's never gonna be perfect it's always refining and changing but then you're actually i think it frees you up so that you realize that you actually can release the control because now they are going to run the business similar at least potentially better potentially probably mm. better in a lot of ways if you hire the right person better than you but you show them how to do it yeah you agree yeah 100 well, percent. yeah i i think that that there's some really simple steps you can take to start mm-hmm. thinking in terms of a system. And it's not going to come naturally if that's not something that, that um, you've ever done, but it's think in terms that. of it is learnable. And, and I think that you can even do it in really broad general things. Start thinking in terms of, all right, what are our, what is my core values as a business? Who, what is, what is my, and if you're not familiar with core values, you can read a lot about it, but it's a, essentially you as a business owner, it's, it's, what are your personal values that are, that are essential to you? And then how does that translate to a business? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's integrity. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, doing perfection. Maybe it's what, you know, hard work, maybe it's team, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, yeah, working as a up. team. Look it up. You can so, 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 but, but defining what kind of your business's core of who your business is, is going to be a step one. Cause then it almost, it, you know, and systems really are, are helpful because then you start thinking uh, in terms of when you encounter a situation you've never dealt with, you you hold it up against something. You hold it up against mm-hmm. that system mm-hmm. and say, "All right, well, what should I do in this situation?" Or, or you know, for a core value, for an example, we hold up a situation that we've never had or dealt with, or or there's a there's an issue or something we got to deal with with an employee, and I hold it up and say, "Does this represent those values that we say are a part of our core?" And if the answer is no we shouldn't be doing this. And if the answer is yes, then, then, then maybe we, we take that yeah. step forward. Right. And, and a system can help in a lot of ways. It can really help you to make it where you, you never feel ill equipped uh, to encounter, um, you know, new things. And it also makes it where you're going to be a lot more efficient at the things that you do day to day. So a final question, kind of yeah. how I end a lot of the podcasts. Um, what's your thoughts on the growth of our industry, where we're heading? And then I know you have big plans and you talked a little bit about them potentially opening up other shops and having some yeah. owner operator. Um, let's talk a little bit about the industry as a whole and then how you plan on um, affecting it. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so my thoughts on the industry as a whole, I think we are really doing some incredible things with tools and uh, uh software and, and, um, things that are at our disposal. I think we are in danger in a lot of ways because we are so dependent on a lot of times we're so dependent on collision centers to interact with insurance companies on our behalf. Um, you think about the hail industry specifically. Um, and I, I, I am fearful that as in the insurance companies understand PDR more and define it more that, that yes, it's great to have standard, you know, pricing and it's great to have kind of those things. But if they're dealing mostly with DRPs or big shops, those DRPs are not going to go to bat for us. They're just not, they don't care that much. There's no reason to, they're they're not going to go to bat and to lose a DRP over a 25 or 30% or 20% markup. They don't care. Right. Like, like, you know, and they're talking about fractions of a markup, right. They're getting their markup either way. They're just, you know, so my fear is that we've, it's not that we've gone to bed with insurance, but we've gone to bed with collision centers so much mm-hmm. that, that we aren't representing ourselves at that table mm-hmm. and the, the, the collision centers are, are kind of by proxy representing us. And so my goal uh, from a very personal level is to put my company in a position to where uh, we, I can have a voice at that table if that ever exists. Right. And, and um, I think that insurance companies value PDR and they will continue to value smart repairs and PDR and, 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 um, 
you know, we always talk about, I talk a lot about our shop being essentially an urgent care center for your Mm -hmm. car. Mm -hmm. And you think about, you think about that urgent care model, you know, when it first came out uh, was, was essentially independent and no one really knew about it. And then, and then hospitals realized how much revenue they were losing. So they started opening their own urgent care. And I think (laughs) that, I think that eventually uh, you're going to have uh, uh, large DRPs that are going to have their quick repair facilities. They're going to partner with their dent wizards or whoever sure, to do that. Sure. Um, and then I think that, um, sorry, can you hear me? Sorry about yep. mm-hmm. All right, sorry. Yep. Um, and I think that we're going to, um, we're going to then, uh, uh, the next step, I mean, right up the road for me, Kaiser Permanente has an urgent care center. And in order to go mm. to a specialist, you have to go there first to get pre-qualified. So insurance companies are getting in the business of doing, doing the repairs themselves. Yeah. And I, I think that in the, that is the future uh, in some ways that insurance is going to want to steer in that direction. And so I think that our, our goal as a industry should be to systematize standard operating procedures that, that this is the way we look at pricing, but not just pricing. This is the way uh, we look at safety for cars. This is the, our stance on drilling. This is our stance on blue pulling. This is our stance on, on proper repair techniques so that then we can go to these in to these uh, OEs and have conversations directly. And I know that, that uh, Pinto and some other guys have, have are trying to essentially lobby directly to OEs yep. for, for um, standard operating. But I think that is so important. People don't realize it. People dismiss it because again, most guys are so short term. They think about how am I going to get money in my bank account this week? Yep. But I think long-term that's the play is having it directly to where OEs support what we do in a certain manner and that's how we hold our value high um so yeah so i think that the state of the industry is healthy right now but long term i think it can't be the wild west forever and i feel like at some yeah. level pdr is has been the wild west for the last 10 15 years and, 30, and a, 30. Longer. yeah i mean yeah and and in the hail industry you know it's it's just you know, it's just, it really feels like the wild west in a lot of ways. It's just chaos sometimes. And that chaos is not going to survive forever. It just won't. And so, so thinking in terms of how do we position ourselves as a company and as an industry uh, to, to be at that table, to be heard, to have uh, those conversations, that's really where we want to be. And that's my kind of long term. So as we grow, I feel like that growth is, is not just important as a business to survive, I think that my growth as a company is going to give me a bigger platform, bigger voice and, and be able to sit down at those tables and have those conversations. So, so I consider it an essential job to grow. It, you know, if I, if I have the ability to grow, I have to, it, it just, I, I can't, you know, and, and we've got to grow well and it's got to be healthy growth and it's got to be, you know, good, sustainable. you know, yeah. sustainable and, and, and the product has to be good too. It, yeah. it can't be that we grow just to grow. Yeah. Um, but if, but if we have the ability to, I use the example a lot of, of treading water that, that as a business, if you, you can't tread water and that that's any business, you know, size, but if you're treading water, you basically have two outcomes. You're either going to get drowned or you're going to eat, eat my sharks. Like that's it. <laughs> like there's, there is no other outcome. You can't tread water for forever. forever yeah. And, and for us as a business, uh, growing is like swimming in a direction and not even knowing where we're going, but probing, gathering data, try to bring that back. And, um, so yeah, so for, for me, growth is really important. Uh, and I, and it's a survival technique, really. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, kind of eat or be eaten in some levels, but, but not necessarily again, to try to take out PBR competition or anything like that. It's to, it's to then look at insurance companies and say, no, 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 you're not going to talk to the DRPs to tell us how to do our jobs. You're going to talk to us directly because we're yeah. big enough and strong enough as a, as a company and as an industry. So that's sure. our, that's our future. And that's I, the way we're going. I love that, man. I think that's the fantastic answer. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Matt, um, I'm maybe, I don't think I'm putting words in his mouth, but I know that he's willing to have conversations with with people. Um, he's, he's pretty open as you can tell. Um, he's building something great out there in Georgia. If you've ever thought about going to Georgia one day and fixing some dents, Matt's probably a good guy to call. I would imagine if there's ever an opportunity for, for you, you know, wanting to relocate or build something big, or if you heard that, uh, what you, if you liked what you heard from Matt and potentially want to be a part of it, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we always welcome and, yeah. and we have those conversations pretty, you know, and, and what I found is probably similar to you and a lot of the coaching that you do. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys hate certain parts of this business yeah. or hate, hate the marketing or hate the whatever, and they don't know what to do. And they feel mm-hmm. like they know they're not good at it. And, and, you know, if, 
if the answer is being a part of a team where you don't have to do that, then, then let's have those conversations. I mean, those are, that's essentially where we, what we offer and that's what we're trying to develop. So. I love that. Thanks for coming on. I think there's a, a lot of value. This is probably a podcast where you might want to go back and listen a second time. Cause I think there was a ton of stuff that we covered in there that are super helpful for your business. So I appreciate you coming on, providing value to everybody listening. And um, you know, hopefully we can meet up in January. I know they yeah. at least said MT is coming back. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. Yes. We'll, we'll try. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. If, if it happens, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Yeah. I really, really thoroughly enjoy the podcast. I think it's been something that's been needed for a long time and uh, have, uh, have found it to be very uh, helpful for me, all the other episodes and hopefully mine was uh, helpful. For sure, man. All right. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoryk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.